<laughs> you, you really don't see that. Uh-oh, you're froze. You froze. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Floor You Podcast. I'm Paul Pleshek. This is Sonny Callahan, my co-host. Hey, Sonny. Sitting next to... Sitting next to a mirror. No? Oh, wait, no. that's... Our guest today is Don Jewell with Lobovacal. I said it right doing? this time. I said it right this time. Yes, yes. I've, I've introduced him places and uh, couldn't even <laughs> just had him say it when he got up to the podium. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do say Vacal wrong. Vacal, Wakel, Wackel. What's some of that Wackel adhesive? Call me whatever you want. Just call me whatever you want. Just call, right? Yeah, that's right. So Don uh, and Sonny have been friends a long time, longer than I've been son- friends with uh, with Don, but I've known him for quite a while. Been looking forward to having you on. That was one of the easy ones. We got about 10 easy guests here that we just have to find the right time for them. And uh, we thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Glad yeah. to be here. Thank you, man. They not only are similar in appearance, they... Wait, we are now... We're similar in, in. Is that what you just said? Do we do we have do we have a problem here that we're gonna start getting complaints from people with hair? <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> well, that's their problem. Yeah, that's really their problem. <laughs> yeah. Ken Ballin was here last week. Ballin. Follically Ballin. challenged. Ballin. Ballin. I did it again, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> I'll hear about it. I'm I'm starting to feel a little left out here now. I might have to shave my head before the next show. I think that'd be a good look. It'd be a good look. <laughs> so I just got back from the ISCRC board meetings. That was a blast, as always. Nice. Yep. That? It didn't go too bad. You know, you got 15 people on the board that come from very varying backgrounds. And then within the ISCRC, you've got people that are instructors. You've got people that are... Uh, that own schools. You've got people that have committees that they have responsibilities for. So you've got this this wide array of people with different responsibilities and as hard as everybody tries and we always focus on the overall ISCRC, you know, everybody's got their projects, they've got their things that they want to give some more attention to and, and it comes up, but it's a, it's a pretty good group of people. There's 15 board members. I think there's a five five person uh, executive committee and all in all, the board meetings could definitely be spelled B-O-R-E-D because <laughs> especially a lot of these that we go to at, at this point in the year because it's a lot of committee reports. So you go through all the committee reports and it's really important stuff, but it's dry. It takes some time to get through and, and you really have to have to prepare for it so that you've got some, some answers there. But one thing we, I, that, uh, David Hodge and, uh, Kevin Pearson worked for hard on for me. We finally got an inspector division. So there's three divisions within the, within the, the organization. We've got uh, cleaning restoration and inspection, which gives us the ability to focus a little bit more on just the inspections part of it, as opposed to hard surface inspections. So, so as I said, everybody's got their own areas. They've got their own pet projects and, uh, happily, that got accomplished this last board meeting. And I think it's going to make it easy to get the information out there to get people working in committees and focus a little bit more on marketing and their marketing different divisions in different ways. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's going to be huge for inspectors. Um, if they're going to devote a little bit more attention and devote an entire division for inspectors, um, yeah, that could be a lot of good news coming out for both hard surface, soft surface. I know, uh, I know they're working on S S eight hundred. They're going to revise yep. that one. Uh, I was contacted to help with that one, but um, Mark, Mark Fiola got a hold of you. Yes, he did. He's a good guy. I'm happy to help him. And um, so, if they're if they're going to put some stuff into it, that's going to be good. It's it's kind of I don't want to say dormant, but it's kind of just sat there for the last couple of years. So it's good to see where um, Georgia G. It's good to see where uh, they're going to do something with Packer G. Packer huh? G. 
So I just eat Georgia. So yeah, we got the S220 and we've got the uh, S800. So the chair of the S800, like you said, is Mark Violin, and uh, chair of the S220 is his daughter Jessica. So, oh, very nice. I didn't know that. We've got the violin connection going on standards over at the ICRC. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking so, forward to it. Any anytime we can make a document better, I'm I'm all in. I'll do what I can do to help. So so, so what are you guys doing? You're hanging out over at uh, at Don's place right now. Yeah, we're we're up in North Carolina. Um, we were going to try to do something on site, but uh, we just couldn't get strong enough Wi-Fi to do the <laughs> show up there. So we had to come back and, and, and do it here. But uh, we wanted to have Don on. Don's, uh, Don's on a lot of different committees with me across the industry. Uh, we go to all the same trade shows. But uh, one of the reasons I wanted to bring him on was talk a little bit more about ASTM. So that's one thing sure. that uh, we really... You know, we don't talk about it enough. We talk about some of the other uh, organization, industry organizations that are out there. But, um, you know, ASTM has some really important documents for installers, for people who are selling jobs, for people who are inspecting jobs, for people who are buying jobs. There's just a lot of important information in there. And uh, he and I have been on this committee. I've been on it over 10 years. You're probably close to 10, maybe eight. So, you know, who better? Yeah, don't forget that the standards are ideal for people trying to produce things to go on that job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But the good thing about ASTM is, is anybody can join. You don't have to be a manufacturer. We have inspectors in this group. We have uh, installers represented in this group. We have uh, international manufacturers in this group. So it's, a, it's really a, a well-balanced group. And uh, we'd love for your input, but the best part about it is for $75, you can join ASTM. You can have a vote that counts because yep. with ASTM, every vote counts. But for $75, you have that membership, but you also get access to every one of their documents, which if you tried to buy them individually, that would buy you two, right? So for $75, the price of membership, you can get access to F710, access to 1869, access to 2170, 3100, 3191, all these new ones that are coming out. And that's the thing. Every time we meet, we're finishing up a new one just about, it seems like here lately. Uh, we've got one for the absorption rate of concrete. We've got one coming up that we're, is really new. We're working on for uh, you know single component moisture mitigation systems things like that. So it's really important for you as a contractor to understand what these documents say so you can prepare your team and be ready for the jobs. Right. And I think uh, going, going with Don there, just wanted to read a little bit because the, it's important to note that Lobovacal is, you know, when, it, when we talked before about Sonny and his background and his current uh, business, Lobovacal is based, it's, uh, this is from the, their website here, so, but they're based in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, is the North American subsidiary of German market leaders Loba and Vacal, who have partners throughout 40 countries, uh, but they're flooring, they are leading suppliers for adhesives and finishes within wood and resilient flooring industry with innovative solutions and systems from the subfloor to the finished floor. I think it comes back to, you guys have worked together a long time, you guys have Really, if you from the outside, you've been competitors for a long time. So the fact that you're both there, you're both close friends. You're, you're obviously close friends. Um, how have you been able to work together within the industry, and how does that make each other stronger and opportunities for cooperation? I, I well, I I can jump in on that. I I think the biggest thing is we've always had a good ability because I've been the customer of him. He's been vendor. I mean, we've flipped and switched roles back and forth, you know, several times in, in making moves within the, the industry between either one of us, but it's, it's always, I think, an ability to, to business is business and personal is personal, right? If you have to make a business decisions, that's the best thing for your business. That's not anything personal and we're able to move on. And there's a, a group of us that, we're able to do that. Um, business is business, but when business is done, we can then we'll be friends and we'll hang out and go to, you know, family picnics or whatever. Um, 
that that makes it easy. I think the ability to do that, which is oftentimes very, very rare. Um, I think that's also easier when you're dealing with people of integrity who do their business with integrity. Then, Absolutely. then that makes things, then, you know, nobody's out trying to do anything shady or underhanded. It's having trust in business and relationships, I think is really important. It's a, it's a benchmark of what I've always believed in and, and what Lobavaco really has a foundation for. And, yeah, and there's so, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh. So once, Don, you come in, you have been in the industry for a year or two. Where did oh, you yeah. start? What was your, what we are trying to talk a lot about career path, trying to give people a bit of an idea of different options they have coming up through the industry. What's been your career path coming up through? Where'd you start? Where'd you, uh, how'd that transition into tech and How'd you get to where you are now? Wow. Okay. That's a, how long is this podcast? <laughs> four days. <laughs> we got four days. Um, I will try and summarize that, which anyone who knows me, shortening my stories is often difficult, but. I'll pinch him on the leg. We, we got 50 <laughs> minutes left, so that's all right. We, okay. we hear us enough. That gives me 48 to talk about craziness. Um, I really, in 1993, I, I started out, after I got out of the Navy, I, I cooked for a little bit. And then I had an opportunity to start with a union hardwood flooring shop. My uh, brother-in-law at the time was working there in Minnesota. Yep. Um, And I started with them and that was a great opportunity. And then probably about nine months into that, I thought I knew it all. Right. And so, right. So, yeah. And so shortly after that, I went to another company, which didn't necessarily work out, but then, you know, a year in the industry, right. I, uh, (laughs) I went on my own. Right. And, uh, Uh, you know, let's just say as, you know, (laughs) I paid for a lot of mistakes. I made a lot. Expensive, expensive mistakes are a painful way to learn, but sometimes they're a permanent way. So I really, for all intents and purposes, I did that. I I took a couple pauses in there. Um, But really from 1997 until 2008, for the most part, I was working for myself at different levels, doing all my hardwood floor contracting in Minnesota. A um, little bit of cork and maybe touching on some resilient. Um, 2008, I closed up shop with a very full schedule, which the timing was perfect because the economy took that little dip after that. And um, and I came to work for Lobovaco, who at the time was very young in the U.S. They're 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 smaller. They were newly introducing both the Loba and the Vaco brands to the U.S. Um, so that was a a scary opportunity to relocate. You know. Scary because I'm uprooting and relocating my family from Minnesota down oh, to North Carolina. No real cultural difference there. Um, no, not at all. Exactly the same kind of. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot more yas up north. Than yeah, nobody know. says you betcha down in North Carolina, and it was really disturbing, <laughs> right? You were lost. I get a lot of the blank stares down here when they, you know, they say, "How about that?" Yeah, you betcha. What? It's kind of a giveaway on my 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 roots, but. Um, Spent a couple of years with them there, had a really great opportunity um, in right about 2010 to go work for Capri Cork, a commercial flooring manufacturer that did cork and resilient flooring, recycled rubber, rubber blend cork flooring, a lot of different things and branching out. And an awesome, awesome opportunity is their, their uh, technical manager. Um, really, for me, that was, you know, seven or eight years where the people I met, which is really where I first started getting introduced into this organizations like FCI, CA, ASTM, um, uh, the, uh, doing some certified, you know, the inspectors programs, a lot of different stuff, but just the exposure that I got at very large level of commercial projects was huge. Um, loved who I worked for, loved my job, had no reason to leave it, um, but I had such a great opportunity with Lobovaco where I knew I still have gas left in my tank and I needed a bit of a bit of a challenge and I knew this would be a challenge but I came back as head of technical and production management and I knew for sure I was jumping in the deep end of the pool but I saw the team they were building and I already had so far such a great team of the outside sales reps um, the technical reps it was really really desirable and a great opportunity to come in and be part of that team and see if I could enhance them in any way and help the company get to the next level. And um, 
We are. Yeah. And since then, so that happened in 2000. When? 17. Uh, 2017, I came back. Okay. Middle of 2017, I came back down to Lovavacal, relocated once again from Pennsylvania this time, back down to North Carolina. Um, and here we are two years later, and we are uh, right in the middle of uh, remodeling and making an addition on our on the new future home of Lobovaco USA. Um, it's really exciting. It's going to be a lot of crazy work, but what a fabulous thing. It's it's great to be part of a company where we're, we're kind of putting a stake in the ground, putting our flag in there and saying, we're here, we're here to stay. If you had any questions, um, Sunny Walk, the facility, we... It's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait yeah. for this place to finish up. What I like about it is they have designated spaces. This is this is just in the drawings of the buildings. There's, it's a building that's there, but they're tearing down walls. They're making places for training. It's going to be specific to training. So they're going to bring folks in, and they do that now. And that's one thing I really like about Lobo is they bring people in, and they do training in-house. Well, this new facility is just going to be outrageous what they're going to be able to do in this place because they've got a lot of square footage that they've earmarked just for training. So I'm excited for you, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and in all fairness, a lot of other our competition um, on the adhesive and finish side, they do that, sanding equipment, a lot of stuff, especially on the wood flooring side. Manufacturers are really big on getting people in and training them up on their products, their systems, how they do that. And of course, we're no different than that. We we try to make sure we do it do it as good as we need to do it. But you know, we'd like to be better than everyone else. But we know there's some really great people out there doing some great training, which is awesome. We love. And if we do something better than someone else, and it pulls their level up, and if they do something better than us and makes us rise, uh, step up our game, that's what we love. That's part of making Absolutely. the industry better. That's it. You know, and I, I don't want to gloss this over too much. When you started your story, thank you for your service, being in the Navy. My pleasure. What well, what were you in the? What, what did you do in the Navy? <laughs> I I went in to be a nuke machinist mate, and then I realized I did not want to repack valves and do lube oil purifiers on on nuclear vessels for six years. So I said, hmm, what else can I do? Um, <laughs> really long story, but when I was temporary assigned, I, I sort of rocked out of, of school because I knew I didn't want to do it. And I got temporarily assigned to the cooks. And when I walked around base and looked at everybody's sleeves and saw what job there was, I'm like, what's your job like out in the fleet? What's your job like? And everybody has the, everybody had a great story. Nothing sounded exciting. So finally the cook goes, Jewel, why are you asking everybody? You haven't even asked me. And I said, it's cause you're a cook, right? And uh, he says, let me tell you what it's like. And he said, we're the only rate in the entire Navy that gets one day, every other day off out to sea. And I said, oh, you have my <laughs> yeah. And he says, only the really dumb people mess with us because we feed them. And I'm like, yeah, keep going, keep yeah. going. And yeah. so ultimately, I ended up being a cook in the Navy as a captain's private chef the last 12 months. And my wife wow. wonders why I don't cook anymore because, you know. Yeah. I already knew how to do it. My my wife is a really has become a really good cook. We uh, what, we were talking. What you were basically about. saying is you became a cook in the navy, and what it was was uh, winning. That's his favorite It was what? Uh, winning. Uh, duh. Yeah, winning. Duh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was actually a really great experience. I was private chef for the captain. It was a cool opportunity. I loved the navy. It was a sad day when I got my last day in the Navy when I got out. Um, but, you know, here we are. Look at you now. Look yeah. at you now. And you saw the world? Saw a lot of the Mediterranean. A lot of the Mediterranean. I wish we would have got a picture of him when he was getting out of the Navy or while he was in the Navy. You wouldn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me see if I can subtly find one while we're talking. <laughs> so we were, we were talking earlier. Um I've got a friend in the Coast Guard, uh, a gentleman I grew up with, but he's the Master Chief Petty Officer of the United States Coast Guard, but he too started out in the kitchen, and now he's the Master Chief Petty Officer uh, of the of the Coast Guard. So don't don't let the don't let the cook title fool you. You can do whatever. Well, I don't think in this day and age we look at uh, 
cooks and chefs the same way. I mean, people have developed careers and career paths there that are amazing. So, you know, and and what army survives if they don't have a, a full stomach and well nourished and that's it. They gotta eat. That's right. Just, you know, it's the same thing with this. I mean, you you know, who would have thought there would be a television show about people cooking and all your job is is to degrade and judge their food. But we should do that with flooring. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought oh, we, we should have right? <laughs> we should definitely just go out to uh, restaurants and, and hotels and all these big commercial projects and just just tear them apart. That'd be a blast. Start a new show called <laughs> Hell's Floor Covering. Hell's Floor Covering. Yeah. <laughs> that could end up bad for us. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, but this probably will too, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I'm, uh, I'm being distracted. Uh, no worries. So, where do you uh, looking at the looking at the website? Lobobaco deals with wood and resilient. And we actually had a story today that we, while you're looking for your picture, that uh, we were going to talk about, and it had to do with the the amount of resilient flooring that's going in. Uh, Sizon PR Newswire had a story that, uh, or take your cookies, flooring. Vinyl flooring market size worth four forty two point two billion by twenty twenty five, seven point four percent. Kager KGCAGR seven point four percent, and it's talking about just the just the massive growth that's still available in that industry. Where do you see? Where is that going to impact the industry as far as? There's only a certain amount of flooring that goes down every year. Some of it's carpet, some of it's hardwood, some of it's vinyl, ceramic. So far, carpet's taken the hardest hit from the changes over to both hardwood as well as vinyl. Do you see that still going, or do you see that that pendulum swinging the other way here at some point? Yeah, nobody's pulling up carpet to find, uh, or pulling up hardwood to find carpet. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. I mean, obviously, everybody knows that I'm going to say it correctly, heterogeneous vinyl plank and tile um, or LVT or LVP. Uh, that has made a really strong push. It's become very popular. Um, the picture of the wood is it's significantly better than it was five years ago, three years ago, eight years ago, right? It just keeps getting better and better. The imaging to create the look and feels and surface textures and embossing, they're now able to translate a lot of that especially in wood patterns to sheet vinyl anyone who's a purist and most of the wood guys will look at it and no they're not going to like that They'll stop, it, right? For sure. yeah because it's plastic um and it is it's not the same as a wood floor i don't consider a vinyl floor of any nature sheet plank or tile to be a lifetime floor but you're also not paying for a lifetime floor right it's not the same price category at all no and it it's, it's a little bit different. I'm a little bit of a wood fuller snob because that's my roots. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from the skill level of resilient installer, sheet vinyl guys, the ability to weld a seam, flash cove, do some, you know, that that takes skill, that takes talent. I don't have it like that. I, I, if I had to get paid to do it, I'd be fired instantly, right? Um, I could figure it out in my own house, but I'm working for free, so I'm getting what I pay for <laughs> Uh, but there's guys that are just brilliant. I've seen them do it, and it's amazing the talent and skill and experience that goes into that. And even in as simple as VCT, LVT, plank, tile, those kind of installs, that's not that's not just anybody can do that because you have to you have to prepare the floor correctly. But I think installing sanding and finishing hardwood floors is so much of a next level of skilled craftsmanship and artistry that that you can't get with installing pre-finished or ready done products, right? Yeah, you're, you're not going to see the DIY network do a show on sanding and finishing your own floors, right? They're going to, yeah. they're going to, they're going to tell you, you can install the floor, but sanding and finish it, like you said, it's kind of the next level. But I, we, I, we all know, we all know even at that point that the do it yourself market and the way things are presented to the do it yourself market, heck just subfloor prep takes a, a level of professionalism that, a vast majority of do-it-yourselfers couldn't possibly attain without training. You know, you go through, put in a put in a vinyl plank floor, say 
tell you you can do it yourself as long as you understand 2170 and as long as you you know know how to determine flatness and and all of these things so I agree with you the craftsmanship that's within the floor the wood floor industry is is truly a a upper echelon ability yeah. but I think that at the the even the the subfloor prep is overly minimized in difficulties so. oh my goodness <laughs> well yeah it, we've all walked in and see bad subfloor prep right yeah. if you if you go into an installed floor and you don't notice any subfloor issues pretty much means they've done it right. But if they've done it wrong, they could have installed it perfectly and it looks like, excuse me, hammered dog crap. Yeah, it looks terrible. Quick. Yeah. Um, maybe certain patterns will hide that, but you know, it's it's as simple as a as a painter, everything a painter does, putting the paint on the wall is the easy part. Mm -hmm. It's the prep where they, they get paid, right? Right. Um, that's where they earn their money. And some of it's just what we noticed. The uh, I was looking at the pictures from the ICRC. They've got their global resource center there in, in Vegas, and they went through and I probably shouldn't say this now. Everybody will notice it, but they put ceramic down on the floor, and it's a ceramic plank, and they got this just the stair step going through the, <laughs> through the back. <laughs> you know, so even sometimes when things look good, you still look at the way it was laid out and think, oh boy. Oh. And, you know, uh, that's that's what we do. The three of us, we walk in, we look down. It's going to happen. So, you know, we're going to find something. So when's your next meetings at ASDM? That's uh, going to be November down in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Oh, I think it's 5th and 6th. But... Rough duty then. Yeah, it's tough. I may well, sign up for that one. You're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I if there's any advantage to being involved with some of these organizations, you would at least if you go to the meetings. Where's FCICA this year? Are they in? Uh, It'll be in Atlanta next week after next. Week after next. Mm -hmm. uh, NICFI is in Vegas the week after that, I think. Well, so, that, that's me. Yeah. Vegas. Vegas. I, I, if I never went to Vegas again, that'd be all right with me. <laughs> Yeah, I feel sorry for people like like Jason Spangler, who's involved in all of the different sides of the industry and especially concrete. So he's he's there, and some of those guys they're there five, six times a year, or oh yeah, or two, three, two or three weeks at a time. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, the board meetings we do two or three board meetings a year for ICRC. Then you go to surfaces. Then if you go to uh, the NICFI convention every other year, yeah, I can pretty easily be in Vegas six or seven times a year. It's not even. Oh, thank you. And once I'm off the board of the ISCRC, if I don't go to Vegas again for a couple of years, that'll be fine with me. <laughs> Ever. I mean. Not to poo-poo Vegas, but if I, I, if you don't drink and don't gamble, it's uh, yeah, it's a long stay. A long way to get there from here too. No easy way. <laughs> yeah. So that that article again. Back to that. Since we'll get sidetracked with the with the three of us and you two especially being in the same spot and knowing each other so well. Uh, the the end the the article really talks a lot about <laughs> PG Sonny PG. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see. I see. Um, not just growth in overall square footage sold, but growth in in dollar wise. What do you think we're going to see, or what are you seeing right now as far as innovations within the resilient market? Because we talk about vinyl plank all we want, but you've got the rigid core. You've got. It seems like every year there's a a brand new system, a brand new floor coming out. What are you seeing right now? Where do you see it going? Do you see a lot of uh, glue down coming up or is it mostly floating? Well, I, I don't know if anybody's doing this yet, but I do have a really good idea for. Did we lose you there, Sonny? Are you coming oh, back? Yeah. Oh, there we go. We lost uh, you. You stopped there for a minute. Yeah, it just froze oh, for a couple of seconds. So go back to that oh, answer. That was, it was really brilliant what he just said. So oh. if you didn't hear it. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. We'll check it on the oh, conversation. I, I, don't, 
I don't know if anybody's doing it, but what, what I think somebody should do, since you can make any pattern in the world you want with vinyl tile and vinyl plank, someone should put VCT, a pattern of VCT on vinyl tile and vinyl plank, and we could do away with VCT. Just be done with it. Because some people like the look, but it's such a headache to maintain. Just put that in. Put that in there. I think it's a great idea. And that idea is copyrighted by the Floor You podcast. <laughs> Call me if you guys want some of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the biggest thing that Don and I keep our eye on, and, and we see it, and we're losing traction every year, is the fact that more and more of these floors are being floated. They're not being glued down. So they're, they're putting a locking system in, and they're being floated with an underlayment. and they're not being, uh, you know, they're not using adhesive. So that's, uh, that definitely is the trend. Even in commercial, it's starting in residential, but, uh, you know, the commercial dominates this category, 65%. Uh, of the VC or the uh, vinyl market is going to be commercial, but more and more commercial applications are, you know, they're, they're floating. That seems to me to be a, um, interesting. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. I was trying to, I was trying to think of words other than crazy, but. Uh, not smart, not smart comes to mind. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a blue guy. Well, no, and I I'd maybe I'll try and defend those manufacturers a little bit. I think, especially in some of the materials and the raw materials are becoming, or the construction of those and layering, they're getting much more stability out of them. For instance, okay, vinyl. If you're going to loose lay, loose lay vinyls are becoming really popular. No adhesive, no anything. Maybe some perimeter and a couple X's across the middle. Um, we did that in the seventies though. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. So I there, everybody's responding to market trends, right, or desires, um, and floating is certainly one of them. Because I think the thought process is if you can eliminate the glue, you eliminate a problem, right? Because <laughs> every every adhered flooring failure was a result of that darn glue right okay pretty smart glue. sure yeah. sure i'll go with i'll go with your premise <laughs> right because that darn glue failed over here on this 500 feet but not the other 10,000 right because it chose to do that over there but when you're floating something it becomes one single panel and Correct. what part of construction uh is really stable over the longer longer distances. You know, the longer the distance is, the the bigger the possibility for concerns in that in that panel because thermodynamics affect every possible segment of the construction industry. And the idea that that float can that floor can float, well, I don't know about you, but boy, put it into an, uh, an appliance store, for example. Put about 20, 30, 40 appliances on top of there. You put a, a a row of shelving on top of it, and you've got that thing locked in. And it's and it's a single panel. Once you lock it together, it's a single panel. It can't move independently. Mm -hmm. And to me, uh, as I'm sure that there's there's things that they can do with stability, but it still is a natural fact. I mean, they have to they have to factor in thermodynamics and railroad ties, right? They have to leave room for those to move. You put vinyl on the side of your house, they have to leave, make it so it's not too tight to the side. So it yeah, doesn't, lose, right? you know, so, you know, no, I'm not trying to stick up for the adhesive manufacturers here, but. Uh, You're outnumbered, you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, there, there's also the misconception that the installation rate would be less, which is somehow made its way to the industry. But just because it's a floating floor, you shouldn't get paid as much because there's no glue. But, I mean, it just takes the same amount of time and same amount of effort. Still got to flatten the floor. Still got to get the substrate flat. If you're you, with any of them, you got to spend any resilient floor has more demands on the substrate than what most people know. And, you know, the if you consider something, any, anything that the thinner it gets, the more important the subfloor is, too. So... Right. How well, can any, you? Any, yeah, any resilient class that we teach, eighty percent of it's floor prep, right? I mean, yeah. you get the floor flat, putting the floor down is the easy part. You get the substrate flat, putting the flooring in, is is not the difficult part for sure. No matter if it be carpet, wood, resilient, 
you can just notice it more resilient for sure. Well, even in claims where where I spend most of my time, I'm sorry, concerns where I spend most of my time. Right. I mean, subfloor prep is a direct, indirect relation to the claim a large percentage of the time. I don't sit down and figure out the numbers, but you know, the idea of, of flatness, especially in any of these floating installations, is paramount to a successful installation. And that parameter is that that limit is pretty pretty tight. You know, that thing's got to be there. It's got to stay there too. So I think that's the biggest misconception that we've run into from the, the DIY market. Oh, you got a bad subfloor, just float it. Wrong, wrong. I think your substrate has to be even flatter for a floating fork because you yeah. get you get that's no that. advantage from an adhesive helping you hold it, hold it down over the hills, right? right. Well, um, even even the more rigid floors they're only bridging low spots and going and over high spots. They're still going to flex when they're stepped on, which means they're right. not necessarily going to see it, but those planks are still going to separate as you, as you deflect that floor down into that low spot or up over that, over that ridge. So, yeah. Yeah. So nine months or a year later, oh, my floor is, it's bouncy right here. What's going on? It finally gave way. Right. So, we had, we're trying to get some some things together here uh, with some different segments in the show. Some of it goes well, some some of it doesn't. Mostly doesn't at this point, I think. But that's all right. But we had a uh, another article, and this one was uh, this one was from floor, about floorboards buckling. And I think there's a couple points. So this lady calls up. She's or uh, uh, right in the article says in June 2017, part of the flooring. That was installed two years prior, had to be re- removed and reinstalled because of flooding from in October. So June, July, August, September, October, four months. I had to call the vendor because some of the boards had buckled. A worker repaired the problem last month. I'm trying to see when this article was written. Last month. Um, last month, the problem reappeared in the worse. The vendor said that if the humidity in my home is higher than 55%, I would have to pay for new flooring and labor. He brought a humidity meter, and in the wet weather, the reading was above 70%. Most of the flooring looks fine, except where there's buckling, which appears to have caused the boards to, uh, caused by the boards being too tight. Uh, am I justified in concluding that it's a installation-related issue? What do you think? Oh boy, I got. Can I, yeah, it's you, buddy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm all over that. So this is the claim game. Guess what's happening? Go ahead. Yeah. So there's a few things in there that are disturbing statements. The problem is the floor being too tight. Aren't you supposed to install a wood floor tight, <laughs> right? So after you, the walls. It, well, okay, all of it would depend on, right? So in general, the expectation is that when you get a newly installed wood floor, it's tight together, the seams, any minor gaps are filled, blah, blah, blah. There's an aesthetic, right? Okay, <laughs> you, you got to look also at if I install, let's take a gym floor, for example, right? You know they're not going to get the interior climate correct. None of it's going to be within maple floor manufacturer, uh, NWFA standards, none of it is going to be right. So what do they do? Because they have X amount of time to install a gym floor. If they need to leave room for that floor to expand, right? They're yep. going to put in spacer rolls or washer rolls or penny rolls or whatever they call them, but it's going to give you that same effect. Or if they know it's going to shrink, they install it tight, right? So it's a calculation based on taking measurements of what their current climate conditions are in the space based moisture on that content of the moisture. and the moisture content of the wood right because wood is not like adhesive like finish or like floor covering it is not selectively smart it does not have a brain or a central right. nervous system it is only going to respond to its environment so if take take out flooding as an option if a wood floor, right, is installed and it gets tight and it grows, that means that the climate conditions now, the humidity or the moisture content in the air or the wood or, you know, 
the moisture conditions are higher. The wood's at a higher rate now than it was at the time of installation. If the wood gets smaller or drier, that means it's at a drier place than when it was acclimated. So, so what if that floor is buckled up off the substrate and the moisture content is 7% to 8%? Probably means it, then well, it was lower than that when it was yeah. installed. That's, right. that's all it can mean. That's all you can say. Well, Here's I mean, a, uh, wait a minute, I want to show you this picture that's been floating around on Facebook the last couple of days. I think this is a great illustration of wood buckling. Can yeah. you see that, Paul? Oh, oh, skate park. Yeah, exactly. Built into their into their gymnasium. <laughs> so the point of that is, if wood's going to grow together, and if it can stay connected, right, <laughs> like that did, like that, yeah, that connection, if that's stronger than the connection of that to the underlayment or the substrate, it's going to blow. Yeah. Now it's on a gym move. floor, maple's going to move. We all know that maple's going to move. Stuff like that. That may or may not have been an installation-related failure. Could have been a flood that got underneath. Who knows what the situation on that that person who took the picture might know. But again, wood is only going to respond to its environment. So flooding, nobody warranties against flooding, right? That's a that's a different thing. If something floods, you have to deal with it. Both. The article went on to say that looking at the pictures. Right. The best guess is that there was some sort of a fresh leak or something. And to that, I would say. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's that's even cheesy in my opinion. But anyway, uh, I mean, there could be, but nothing worse when you're talking about a complaint, be it from the manufacturer side, from the inspector side. The inspect the installation side is for you to assume anything. If you can't back it up and prove what what happened, don't ever say it. Don't say something like this guy and go, oh, there must have been a leak. You don't know. Oh, that. oh exactly. And you're really uh you're 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 strictly guessing the the real answer is that the wood gained moisture and it moisture didn't have room moisture. to move. It, it didn't have room to move. Why it gained moisture? Well, that's going to take an inspection or at least somebody to look at it that that knows what they're talking about. But And that particular spot was the weakest link in the whole system. Yes. The pressure built there, and that was where it was able to release. So right. you're saying installer error because maybe they didn't use the right fasteners. They used the wrong size trowel. I can see that from the service. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nailing pattern was wrong. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Nail, yeah. I'm just trying to get you to commit to something so that I can play another sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just say they didn't use the right adhesive system. It was a wood subfloor. It was a finish. Uh, That's what it was. Now, I, so we, we do have a few more stories. I didn't get complete permission or, uh, or, or agreement with Sonny on some of them. Uh Oh, uh, Oh God. What? 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 Huh? What? It's going to be good. So, if a uh, do you two need a moment alone to work this out, or <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I just do what I want, and then Sonny can yell at me later if he needs to. Perfect. <laughs> story. So, right. We do have a story. Give it Sonny a look, because I'm seeing if he's going to try to stop me. We have a story. We talk about career path, right? We talk about flooring industry and career path. So here's a story about a, a fine person that was uh, had just finished with a degree in events management. She wanted to start her own business, right? So she had a degree. She wanted to start her own business, and she was working in, uh, she was a beautician. Okay. Yeah. 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 Very nice. Noble profession. Yes. I don't keep them busy, but you know. So, being that you're in the industry, and this is probably a, an idea for you guys, what she did was she stumbled across an American company offering a naked cleaning service. Sweet. Let's do that. <laughs> Not in the same house. Yeah, but I don't. Not do you think anyone house. would hire us? No. Well, installation service, you know. Hey, if you get a premium per hour, hey, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't think anybody's ever seen an installer they wanted to see naked. I, I just really believe that. That brings a whole new level to plumber's bomb, <laughs> don't it? <laughs> well, earlier, earlier, Don and I couldn't decide, so we were going to do rock, paper, scissors to decide who was going to be shirt and skins on this interview. So we decided to both be shirts. I uh, and we all thank you. Everyone that ever sees this on YouTube thanks you both very much for that that wise decision. Uh, you know, but have you guys cool. ever done anything marketing wise that you felt was uh, so far out the box that it almost gave you a different aspect on on marketing completely? <laughs> who who are you asking? Are you trapping me or Sonny? I'm trying to trap either one of you. As long as I keep talking, I don't get trapped. <laughs> um, we have we've had some creative marketing. We one we maybe pushed the limits a little bit. Um, your marketing team, mention your marketing team. She's we we love our marketing team. We have a great marketing team, and we've just added a new guy for design. Um, Amanda's Amanda kills it. She's hardworking. She's a machine. Um, and now we've added Paul, who is an amazing designer, and he's a brilliant talent and working on stuff and creation. So that's pretty good. But yeah, we've, we've maybe played a little bit on the, in the gray area on wordplay on wordplay. Yeah. <laughs> for one particular campaign that happened to is be, that a the is that the Lobo one? Completely unrelated. They sell tubes of adhesive and sausage. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank Don for the last time he ever appears on the Floor You podcast. <laughs> I, I'm probably going to be terminated. So if anyone's hiring, I might need a new job after this. Good grief. Um, no, we were just comparing because we've we launched a, a line of adhesives and filled in sausages, right? Well, we did a really big sausage, like a gallon of adhesive in the foil sausage packets. And we were just wondering how everyone else's sausage is measured up to our one gallon sausage. That's all. That's all. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So did you determine that size matters or no? Uh, when it comes to it, he said. They says, won. Yeah. <laughs> they won. It, surprisingly, in the U.S. and with contractors and friends, it was a very sought after t-shirt <laughs> that we only had at NWFA Expo. 2017. Our, no, 18. Yeah. Our... Uh, Maybe, maybe wasn't as well received back at, you know, back in Germany, where they tend to be a little more conservative than us, but. Well, plus uh, in Germany, they, they absolutely take their sausages seriously. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you couldn't be joking around about them. Like yeah. That, so. Well, it was I mean, a successful marketing campaign for us, so we had a lot of fun with it, but. But Alaska. that's worth. I think that that's areas where you push that envelope a little bit, and it's successful because of the conversation it generates. I mean, that's that's the idea with something like that. It's not the idea of what you're going to put into pushing that out. It's the idea of how many people are going to share that with other people, and how you're going to get social media to to promote it. And we're talking about it right now, simply because it was catchy. That's why. So that's what it, that's what it was of meant course. to do. That's what it did. So. That's, that's the... But it's not, it, yeah, and it's also not something we're going to rest on that. And we're, you know, we, it was a fun thing. We did it. Everybody had fun with it. It created some buzz, got some attention when we launched that thing. Um, I've, seen, I've seen some plumbing shirts out there that say things like, uh, don't sleep with a drip tonight, call your plumber. <laughs> you know, I mean, just same kind of, <laughs> same kind of concept. My, but... uh, probably one of my favorites though, is you see the, you see the PG, just, just the, the plumbers, <laughs> the, yes, the plumber's van going down the road, but he's got it wrapped. And on his drive side of his driver's side door, it looks like someone sitting on the toilet while he's driving. <laughs> yeah, that's creative. I like that. That gets your attention. You look back and look at the van, get yeah. the name because you look back, get the name so you can see that. You know, I probably it. should be illegal. I'm a lot more likely to get in an accident seeing something like that and looking back to see if I actually saw it right. Than if I'm driving down the road texting. You're scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was creative. So our marketing team is really, really good. Um, they do a, they do a, a lot of fun stuff. We have a lot of fun, but we also, you know, listen, we're serious about the things we need to be serious right. about. Um, and we, uh, but we really, if, if we can, if we can figure out a way to have fun doing it. We're going to do that, right? That's it. Um, we sort of do our thing our way, and. We don't, 
we don't worry too much about what everyone else is doing. Um, right. You know, we kind of have a saying that it's, it's good people, good products, good, good service. Right. At well, I think we see in the industry and I think a lot of my confidence with different companies that I work with are the people that I've met in the industry. I mean, you even talk about the company that you came from and, uh, you know, who went in there after you? I think it was Graham, right? Yeah. Graham. Graham. Cole, I'm Cole Bianco. I mean, the best companies seem to hire the best people. And I think that it's a real good, uh, uh, indication of what kind of business they are, that they're trying to pull those type of people because good people aren't going to be comfortable too long in a, in a environment that isn't similar to their own personalities. Yeah. And I mean, as a finishing adhesive manufacturer, we're not the only one out there. There's a lot of competition, but we really like good competitors. Truthfully, we do. And we like, we like the competition who, I guess our focus is let's just take care of the contractor, put up good products and, and take just take care of people, treat them how we want to be treated. Then there's competitors out there that do that very well. And, and I love hearing that. So I think Sonny and I were talking about it on the drive where, you know, why would I, we, I'm okay. If you're good with that, we hope we would get that same loyalty. Don't leave someone you're really happy with because I throw a great price at you or something. That's stupid. That doesn't last. So yeah, that doesn't help anybody in the industry. No, you know, selling on price. Um, no. And, you, and I think that if you've got a history of somebody that uh, stands behind their, their product that really goes the extra mile to try to solve problems that arise, even if they feel it's not necessarily their fault, but try to work together with people. Those are the types of companies that you're competing on an even playing field with, you know, the companies that really are fighting for every little penny they can get and never want to give one back to help somebody out and get them through. Those are the ones that tend to. Yeah. Yeah. And of course there's some, there's a lot of situations out there, but listen, at the heart of everything, I got to believe that every company out there really wants to, uh, yes, we want to sell our product, but we need the people to do that. Right. And if, if people hate using any product, whether it's ours competitors, if they don't like using it, they're not going to buy it and they're going to get frustrated and they're going to say, don't send me that stuff. I don't like it. Right. We know how installers get, um, and they, they're the ones who got to get paid to work with this stuff. And if something's difficult to work with it, they don't want it. So, for me or Sonny or anybody to say, oh, their product sucks or this, that's that's absolutely ludicrous, right? It's everybody has good products. And when a product is used appropriately for what it's recommended for, it's going to work and it should work. Yeah. It's if it doesn't, um, that's where the, we think where the rubber meets the road. If there's an issue, if there's a concern, if there's a problem, if there's, you know, a failure, Well, we talked about this on one of our prior podcasts. Some of my best customers that I've had over the years, we got them because of a complaint. Yeah. It's the way we handled the complaint. They weren't mad because something failed. They were happy with the way we handled it. And I think that's how you build business relationship. Because that way, at that point, it's a partnership. It's not a customer-vendor relationship. It's, it's, It's actually a partnership. So that's what's important. So where do you see it? Uh, we get we definitely want to give some time that you've taken the time to come and join us. You've got anything right now that's newer or something that you want to talk about a little bit from Loba? Or but before you do that, while you're doing this, explain what Loba and Vocal is, because some people ask me why is there two names. I oh, okay. that a lot. So explain what the differences are while you do this. All right. So Loba Vocal LLC is a partnership of. Loba is the finishing side, right? And Vockel's the adhesive side. Uh, both of them are German companies. Um, Vockel's in the western part of Germany in Pirmasens. Loba's near Stuttgart in Ditzingen. And um, so what they've, what they've done for a lot in, in the U.S. and some other things, they've formed a partnership with a joint ownership, right? And, and created that division within, within the U.S. Yeah. So we are, we are part of the family, but we got we to gotta make or break it on our own, right? Um, so we are the North American branch and representation of those two companies. So 
it really just made more sense for us to bring both in. Globally, each each Vakala and Loba may have some, you know, separate en entities, but you know, there may be just in some country there may be just Loba in that portion, or it may just be Vakala. But in the U.S., we're we're both, and we we really love that because it it gives us the technology from both sides of it. It gives us we have you know we talk about connected system, so. It, develop gives us the opportunity to test our adhesives and our finishes together and work you know integrate that program um, make sure that we don't have any weird interactions or if there is we can caution against it so it it's a really i hate to use the word but it's a symbiotic relationship um and there's been some other things some other changes in, in structure now that really help enhance us even more so yeah, good thank you for doing that that was maybe well, answer. <laughs> you know, it's. I think it's it's always interesting to hear com company concepts and ideas on on how things work together because sometimes you do see some different divisions within companies that aren't always as clearly as related as you may think they are. Or, you know, you might have you might have adhesives and and levelers or something like that where you know that they're inter or interacting and bonding, but. Yeah, there's absolutely an interaction there, and you've got things that can happen. So, is there anything new coming out that you've got that you want to talk about? Don't, don't talk I'm not going to make you. Um, <laughs> you know, we're always looking. I, I think we do a lot with MS technology on the vocal side of things. That's a real strong focus for us, and continuing to develop that. So that's a real big focus. I, truthfully, the biggest thing for us is our new location that we're putting in um that's really that's really the biggest thing that we have um we're looking forward to it so we are going to have a grand opening june it just changed 12th and 13th whatever that friday and saturday is um so they're doing we're starting a media campaign on that getting some information out there early registration it's going to be a lot of fun it's we're going to invite a lot of industry partners and of course nafct is welcome and i'm hoping it's going to come um yeah, so it's going to be a great time. I think we'll have bands and food, and I think it's going to be a so. Where, did, where can they find out more about that? Where, like, where, and where can they find you? I try to hide as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I'm not asking always... you to give your phone number out or anything. If you've got an email address or a website that you want to plug. Uh, listen, my phone number is not really <laughs> sacred either, but. Um, they can always find us at, at Loba, L-O-B-A dash. I do have a page on that, Paul. You can kick to it. Yeah, if it comes up like that one. Oh, I can't really even see that. Is that me? Oh. Yeah. All right. So Loba, L-O-B-A dash, Vakal, W-A-K-O-L dot com is our website. And my email is Don, D-O-N dot Jewel, J-E-W-E-L-L, two L's, Paul, in Jewel. Yeah. In Donald? Um, yeah, we didn't, I, I was going to talk about that. We forgot about that. What is that? What is that? I can't really tell what that is. Yeah. That's your concrete. Is, uh, is that core samples? Oh, those are those cores that I got? Yeah. yeah. All from the same floor? I'm not ready to open up that can of worms. We only have a few minutes left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so, yeah. You, you can always you can, um, email me. If you want to call me, if you need a direct question, fine. 704-975-8890. Now it's out there. Wow. All right, we'll put that in the description on uh, YouTube. Make sure everybody has that for you. That's why you got to get well, well, <laughs> Listen, I'll if, tell everybody, if, and if, if there's something I can if there's something I can help with and somebody needs an answer, by all means, if I don't, I'll try to answer it. If I don't know the answer, there's a pretty good chance I know someone who's smarter than me in that area so and if, and if you do really want to uh, reach out to him i believe it's uh tomorrow's his birthday so you can give him a call or you can uh maybe well, that only <laughs> works on you we don't that do that only works on you paul uh, that's a little that's a little that's a little uh teaser don and i were out at uh, dinner uh, i think the first time it happened and uh I'm sitting at the table, and all of a sudden, all these waiters start rolling over, and uh, they put a cake on the table, and I'm, what the heck is going on? And they start singing happy birthday to me. 
And Don's sitting across the table from me, just laughing his ass off. Yeah, it wasn't my birthday. It wasn't even close to it. Not even, not even remotely. He just told them all it was my birthday, so there I sit, as much as I love being the center of attention and uh, getting sung happy birthday. So if you go to dinner with Don, I'm begging you, think of it first. Make sure he gets a cake and they can sing him happy birthday. Well, I'll tell you what, until you have chocolate cake. Until you have Emerson for a waitress, you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> have had what for a waitress? Oh, Emerson. Boy. Emerson. We can't do this. That's the next that's the next story you need to get from Don Jewel. And anybody watching, ask Don Jewel about Emerson. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> that is such a great one. I love it. These guys do have a lot of fun on the road. I know I've I've been there for some of it, but all these guys that work together out on the road have to have some fun when they're uh, they're, they're stuck away from home. Yeah, we're away from the house. We see each other 12, 18 times a year at different shows. It ends up becoming a friendship. And I've stayed at his house. He stayed at my house. It's, I see more of him than I do family sometimes. So you got to make the best of it, right? Right. We got uh we got our time in here, gentlemen. Uh, going to wrap this up thank you all very much for listening thank you don for joining us that's oh, j-e-l-l don jewel <laughs> yes thank you d-o-n-a-l-l-d <laughs> just one l and don so you can find us before you for you podcast on youtube for you podcast on facebook uh for you podcast.com coming soon we also, uh, you can reach us at floryoupodcast at gmail.com right now, and we should have another one coming once the website gets up. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, Don, for joining us again. Thank you, Sonny, as always. It is much appreciated. And we will see you all next week. Next week, our guest uh, is scheduled to be John Downey. He's with Siri. He's been with the ICRC. And it, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation. He's the, he used to run the tech journal for the ICRC as well. So he's a, he's cool. a, he's a very uh, interesting guy and he can tell some of those uh, historical secrets of the ICRC maybe that get us all in trouble. So <laughs> thank you. For joining sure, us, yeah. and We'll put it out again next week. Should be on Wednesday. That's our goal day for it uh, each week. So thank you again. Have a great one. See ya. See you guys. Thank you.